Hey, welcome to a Wiser Retirement Podcast. Leaving a financial legacy isn't something that happens by accident. It takes planning. We've put together a guide with seven steps to leave a financial legacy and have made it available for free on our website. This guide covers designing your legacy, estate planning, financial education, and protecting your legacy. The link to download seven steps to leave a financial legacy is listed in the episode description, or you can go to wiserinvestor.com, scroll to the bottom and find it there. Now on to today's episode. Welcome to the Wiser Retirement Podcast, where we believe the best financial advice should always be conflict-free. I'm your host, Casey Smith, guiding you to financial freedom. Today is my co-host, Brad Lyons. Hey, Brad. Hi, Casey. So today we're going to wrap up uh, our podcast theme for this quarter, uh, which is uh, leaving a legacy. Uh, It's been a fun quarter. Um, Ironically, we started the quarter off with the office air conditioning not working, and we're going to end the quarter with the AC not working. Uh, the good news is, is that um, we finally talked uh, sense into the new landlord and uh, we are getting a new unit now. So hopefully by by uh, the time you guys hear this podcast, we'll be nice and cool inside uh, Wiser Global Headquarters in Mayretta, Georgia. <laughs> Very nice. And we don't want our listeners to think that we had to, you know, you know, go, what is this, eight weeks or so, <laughs> nine weeks, 10 weeks without air conditioning. There was a time in there where we had air conditioning. Yeah, it was a three solid weeks with no AC, uh, but it was at different times. And we had to use, um, oh, this is a great book. Uh, is it Andrew Voss? I know his last name's Voss. Uh, it's a book on negotiating. He was a former FBI, FBI negotiator. And I'll say I probably used a few tactics out of his uh, out of his book to uh, uh, to get others to feel that their air conditioning should be replaced. We had to, we had to play to a lot of egos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he would be pleased with his background in FBI, knowing that we're utilizing to get a better air conditioning. Yes, exactly. But it worked. Uh, great book, it's yellow book. I can't remember the name of the color uh, or the the, the the full name of the author. But anyway, uh, it was it was uh, an interesting read. Um, okay, so we're kind of recapping on leaving a legacy. And, you know, Brad, you were talking earlier, uh, before we got on here about, you know, what is that, wh- what that means exactly, you know, I think so, so many times we just kind of, people just kind of die, and they just kind of leave whatever's left to the next generation, right? Yeah, There's not, not much thought really put into it other than maybe a will. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's not unusual. I mean, you know, discussing our demise is it's just not something that we're kind of built to do. Right. So, and, and, you know, there's that, that whole point of, you know, we, we didn't, when we don't want our children to co- be overly concerned about our finances, not just from a, you know, like, oh my goodness, what have mom and dad done, but we want them to go on and flourish and have their own life and not have to worry too much about our lives, you know? And so we kind of hide it from our children, but you know what? They're not kids anymore. Um, it's time to bring them into the process in order to, uh, for them to understand what it took to raise them, what it took to have your life, what it took to get here at this point, and what may or may not be left when it's all done. Yeah, I think I kind of came through the quarter um, with, the, with the reinforcement that we have to teach the next generation how to handle money. We need, if you're a successful business owner, you got to teach the next generation how to also be successful business owners or be successful at whatever they're pursuing. Uh, and success doesn't always equal money. A lot of times it doesn't actually. Um, 
you know, I read recently someone defined wealth versus uh, being rich. And I, I tell this to my kids all the time. They see something that is perceived to be much nicer than maybe what we have. And I say, well, that looks like a rich family, meaning that they spend every single penny and they can, they make all the payments, right? But if you looked inside the bank account, the bank account's probably not super stellar uh, to match the size of the house and the price of the car. Um, but I, I saw a different angle on that recently where, where wealth, you're wealthy if you can do the things that you want to do. You have freedom. You're not enslaved to I have to be at work so I can make that boat payment or that house payment that I overextended myself on, right? Or that credit card debt that I got to get eliminated. And so what that means is that teacher, fireman, policeman, all of them can be wealthy. Exactly. Right? You can make $60,000 a year and still be wealthy. Um, it's, it's, it's the not getting yourself into a situation where you're forced to work and be a slave to, to payments. Um, you know, and, and, and there's a lot of rich people who are not wealthy, uh, as I get the lesson to be learned there. And so how do we teach that to the next generation? That's very important. Um, and I think it's a sense of probably saying no, a sense of saying you have to earn versus being given. Um, you know, our kids are at a, private school and, uh, you know, my, uh, they have family serve day. So they go out and they serve the community. And uh, this last year, uh, my daughter had something private going on. And, and, and so I had to be with her and we couldn't participate. Uh, my son ended up going by himself and he came back and told my wife, he said, mom, you won't believe um, we had to like mow this field for this lady. And they had uh, like three or four mowers out there for us to kind of clean up our yard. And no one knew how to start a lawnmower. <laughs> and I was like, that's entitlement right there. Nobody in ninth grade at his school knew how to start a, a, a lawnmower, at least the ones that are with him in that group, which are probably seven to eight, if I had to guess. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall to heard your wife's answer because when he started out, your son started out saying, you won't believe. Her first thought was, yes, I would. Yes, I would. Exactly. Exactly. Not that he mows the yard himself, but he has mowed the yard and he does know how to start the mower. Um, that, that is something basic that he's that he's learned. I, I don't know that the quality of the cut would be that great, but... <laughs> Well, throughout yes. this whole series, it's been interesting is that you and I, through the research that we've done, we've kind of perhaps changed our thought and our thinking a little bit on what a legacy really is. Right. And we've had some interesting discussions on this. And we've had some, some guest speakers all, you know, chiming in on it. And a legacy, you know, is, is many things and it's all encompassing. And one aspect actually helps to produce other aspects as well. So any financial aspect can actually produce other aspects in our legacy to our successive generations and that which we have received from previous generations, okay? So I think that um, it's it's been an interesting series of podcasts talking about legacy, inheritances, passing on values from generation to generation telling stories about the generations themselves and allowing for the next generation to incorporate this into their lives and seeing what's produced from that 
and mm. then actually kind of sitting back and enjoying kind of seeing how this is going to play out over time. So, um, and making the appropriate plans for that to happen. Well, for the next, uh, I guess the next week, you can still go online and download a white paper on uh, seven steps to leave a financial legacy. Um, you know, number one uh, on that list was design your legacy. We talked about, uh, you know, what is it you want to leave behind? Um, it's not just monetary, right? It's your value system. It's it's um, thinking of others, you know, uh, the, that, that type of thing. Uh, assembling the right team. We've, we've had Jordan in, uh, Jordan Sudi from Sudi CPA on with us. We've had uh, Doug Butler. We had... Um, um, well, I just went, did one with uh, Randy Hargett, our insurance person. These are all people that we've assembled around our team, uh, you know, for our clients that support them with us being the quarterback on that uh, for 300 and something plus families. And it works well. Uh, we have an, we have a specialist in each area um, and, and, and ultimately in a, in a fee only environment, which is what we talked about through the podcast series. Uh, that that's the best place best place to have a quarterback for you financially is someone who's not trying to sell you anything but we do have partners that do sell stuff when everyone knows they sell stuff but it, but we all know it's part of the plan right 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 and we sit in the middle sort of with our clients in a kind of a hub and spoke arrangement right but we're in 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 the hub and we reach out and and bring in additional resources as needed and when we do that, we bring them into the plan itself. And so now everybody is looking at the same plan, bringing their expertise. I think in an individual sense, let's say that without a plan, each of those individuals are, and their professional skills comes to the table and does the best they can, but they only know a portion or a slice and they give full advice based upon that, okay? With a plan and a financial planner such as us, we expose all the you know, professionals to the entire plan and show them where their skill sets and their products and their services come into the plan to enhance it as one complete plan rather than four or five different plans that hopefully the, you know, come together if, in the absence of a written financial plan. Yeah, I, you know, we had... Um... We, we had our, our dear friend, uh, Gary Bottoms on, on the uh, podcast as well. And, it, you know, in his world, and he, he's, a, he's an old timer, he's been doing this a long time, but in his world, everything starts with insurance and builds from there. And I think that was really prevalent in that podcast because, you know, I'm like, man, you know, the world's so different now. Um, those, those type of relationships, I think, are expiring um, to where, you know, everything starts with insurance and, 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 and builds out. Everything really should start in the center with a financial plan. If it calls for insurance, then you go to, then you go to that expert, uh, you know, to get to add that component in, in the plan. But um, it, it just it, it, it kind of reminded me of like, man, this is how the world used to be 20 years ago. Right. In and I last... think in that previous generation, that professional, that resource, the insurance agent was the one that brought it up. Yeah, that's right. And it yeah. all started there. That was the center hub was, was insurance. And then right. is that, because, you know, mutual funds weren't as weren't as popular or you had to go buy a mutual fund from a broker. You had a stockbroker who was just trying to sell you stuff. You had an insurance guy 
who is trying to think more about planning. So planning to originate within an insurance firm sort of makes sense because they're the only ones that are really forward thinking. Right. Uh, when those firms kind of married each other, that we came started this whole holistic approach. And then obviously uh, there was a very small minority, but in the mid eighties, uh, there were, there were starting to be fee-based firms, which morphed into fee only firms, uh, uh, many of them eventually. So anyway, that, that was kind of like a time capsule <laughs> episode of like, um, and I've been for most of it. <laughs> we, uh, uh, we, we talked about, um, uh, oh, having uh, James Hughes on. Uh, that was kind of a highlight. Yeah, to kick this uh, off. Exactly. Yeah, that, that was kind of Fascinating a Fascinating man. That guy has, has seen a lot, okay? That's right. And simply through the experiences that he's had, the people that, that he has met, and the counsel that he has given, it was a wealth of information in that 30 minute or 45 minute podcast that we had with him. What a true privilege it was to spend some time with that man. And then uh, talking with our friends up at the uh, Ohio law firm, uh, talking about, man, when your kid goes to college and they're 18, they gotta have power of attorney and medical directives because you're not gonna, hospital's not gonna talk to you. I hadn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't think about that stuff, right? So that's, that's something we still need to act on. You probably need to put together a, a package for, for, for people with kids going to college, they, they have quick access to those, those kind of documents. Exactly. It comes as a, quite a shock when a parent gets on that student portal and realizes that they won't share anything with that, with that parent anymore. And it expands not just between you know, academic and scholastic, it expands all the way to life choices that that student is, has made and the results that occur. So, um, it, it's an amazing thing when that, that child turns 18 and all they're still very dependent on mom and dad, the law sees it otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I, I think the, uh, you know, I, I, I think we've covered the quarter fairly well. Um, you know, if you haven't listened to each section or each podcast, I, I would, uh, encourage you to do so, especially the ones where we, we talk about how to build a legacy. Um, it's, it's just thinking beyond your own generation. It's thinking about the next generation. And, it, you know, I think there's probably ways to do it, even if you have grown adult children. Uh, but if you have little small children at home, and now is a great time to start uh, uh, acting stuff out yourself so that you can lead by example versus leading by uh, with, with just words. Um, so... And, and, and Learning how to have the conversation, to have the, to begin the communication between generations. Um, it can lead to all sorts of other wonderful conversations as well, as to telling stories about growing up and years that have gone by and old family vacations and decisions that were made and, and so on. And, and so it really can become a, a very intimate time that you spend with family members when you're having this conversation about legacy and inheritance and, and, and how it all came about from grandparents farm, you know, to parents, you know, getting college educations and going out and having careers and, and raising children and who have gone up and had careers and raised their own children and so on. And you see these, these generational effect all stemming from similar value systems that are funded with resources that are being passed from generation to generation 
in order to use them as a good steward. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're, we're going to leave something. It's either intentional or it's accidental. We talked a little bit about this. And intentional is following the seven steps that, that we're outlining you know, in, in our white paper there and all the conversations that we've had across these podcasts. Accidental is, you know, I meant to spend it, but I just didn't get there. And so there's something left over. The kids get it. And it's a gift at that point, you know? There was no conversation. There was no intent. There was no, you know, um, explaining. There was no storytelling that goes along with it. And so what is the, the, the receiver supposed to think? Okay. Other than it was a gift. So we're going to leave something. It's just what, how do we want to, you know, um, what do we want the, that, uh, that thought behind it to be? And how do we want to express that? And how do we want to see it received, you know, and utilized, you know, for their, you know, future. So, right. Yeah. So the legacy is often in the communication. So next quarter, um, we're going to shift gears again and, you know, I'm, I'm getting more excited about this. I think this is a, a topics that we often get asked as planners is in your 20s, what should you be doing? In your 30s, what should you be doing financially? 40, 50, 60, because they always ask one question. Everyone asks one question. How am I doing compared to others my age? Right. <laughs> and I'm like, well, less, less than 1% of the population probably uses wealth managers. So in the end, <laughs> in the end, you're doing better than most because you're already doing better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're thinking about it, which I think majority of people don't think about it. That, that's I, I think they I understand their question. What they're really asking is, how am I doing versus uh, college educated people my age uh, in you know in my area? But right. ultimately, um, uh, Michaela here at, at Wiser, she's our uh, planning associate. She put together a really good white paper on uh, each stage of life and what you should have accomplished uh, financially by each stage. And we'll post that starting October 3rd will be our first episode uh, as we as we uh, dive into this new uh, into this new theme for the that will take us out through the rest of the year, actually uh, just doing various different planning themes. So probably a good time uh, to talk about big picture as we roll into a into a new year. Um, also for us here at Wiser, this is this is time to be looking at Roth conversions. So if you uh, have a lower income this year, you've been out of work, or maybe you're not working on purpose, um, income is low, you can you might have an opportunity to convert IRA money to Roth money. So that's something that we're starting to look at. Uh, and all of our clients' uh, accounts. Well, this is the work that goes on behind the scenes as we're taking care of each one of our clients and you know determining what's best for them at any given time. And one of the circumstances, they retired earlier this year. So they, they, it was a working year, but their income may be very low relative to what it's been in the past. And so it's a prime opportunity to convert some of this money. Again, our CPA, you know, associates are, you know, trying to minimize, mitigate taxes this year, you know, in any given year, we're looking at the rest of their lives, our clients' lives and minimizing taxes over the long haul. And so when we look at a holistic approach of Roth conversions, Roth conversions are a very, very um, a savvy tool that we look at for every single one of our clients. And it, it's really an interesting, you know, um, uh, uh, um, strategy that 
that when utilized properly is can be very much a wealth enhancer. Especially if you can if you can deduct um, you know at the twelve percent tax bracket. So if you can convert at twelve percent, it's not going to be cheaper than that. So right. it's, it really just comes into how much income do you have. And then if you move money from your IRA to your Roth, it's, it, it becomes taxable, but it grows tax-free going forward. If you're barely if you're barely scraping by, it's not it's not a good strategy because um, you you need the money too soon. But if this is money you're deferring, uh, possibly to the next generation, this is th- this is a good strategy. Another thing too is that man, we just had a bad week in the market um, uh, two days ago from this recording or yesterday from this recording you know, the, the uh, Dow was down about a thousand points. It is a, it is a good time. And we do this for our clients automatically. So if you're a client listening, we're already doing this. You don't have to call us, um, but it is a good time to be looking at tax loss harvesting. You have, you have the S and P down 20% year to date. Uh, there's opportunities to sell that, take a taxable loss. You're out of the market for a few milliseconds. You're going to buy something else back. That's, that's similar. Uh, so you stay in the market. We're not saying market, market time, but it's a great time to take a, a realized tax loss on your tax return. Um, and then you ride back up as the market rebounds whenever, uh, whenever that might be. So it, it's, it's a, for financial advisors, if you're not doing this for your clients, you're not providing a real value as an asset manager. Um, because it, this is where people are busy working. Someone needs to be uh, at the at the helm, <laughs> watching the big picture, and why wouldn't you create tax credits for yourself going forward? Um, as long as you can get back into the similar asset class or the same asset class, uh, that's really all that matters. So Brad's been doing that for us. Um, another strategy to be thinking about this quarter is what they call backdoor Roth IRAs. So a backdoor Roth IRA means that you make too much money to contribute to a Roth. Uh, so what you can do is contribute to an IRA you can simply uh, uh, do not deduct it on your tax return. You just make an after-tax contribution to an IRA to the max, either 6000 if you're over 50, it's 7000 And then you immediately convert that into a Roth. Roth conversions are taxable, right? But because, um, uh, because you didn't take a tax deduction, you don't have to pay the tax on the transfer because it didn't make anything, right? It's all cash. So then you can roll that into your Roth IRA. Now, if you have an IRA already, it's it's last in first out so you'd have to convert your ira to roth before you could do that and it, it would make sense uh, for some of our clients we actually take ira money and put it back into their 401k plan and that way they can start doing backdoor roths uh, on a regular basis um, so th- so anyway those are just uh, three strategies you should be thinking about uh, between september and december 1st uh, inside inside your portfolios. Absolutely. And you can see how tax loss harvesting and Roth conversions can actually be complementary to one another because when you're tax loss harvesting, anything, any tax losses that aren't um, utilized versus capital gains can be written off up to a certain limit, 1500 if you're individual, 3000 if you're married filing jointly, you know, of, of your, your gross income. Okay. Yep. So that helps to reduce the income, which then keeps you in a lower tax bracket for the utilizing Roth conversions. So these things work well together as yeah, a plan and a strategy going forward. And, the, and what we're doing on, on that front is if clients are using CDCPA, 
we communicate, we communicate them very easily. So we're saying, Hey, this is what we're thinking about for a conversion. Uh, and they simply, uh, and we simply forward it to them. And then they respond with, yep, this makes sense uh, to us as well. And if you have your own CPA, uh, we have that content information usually, and we can reach out to them directly to see uh, if it also makes sense, but it's a coordination between planning our planning team here and, um, in your in your local CPA to make sure it makes sense and you don't exceed something uh, that you that she shouldn't exceed. Right. Okay. Uh, so anyway, that's what that's what we'll be busy doing uh, the next three months as we <laughs> as we uh, watch the markets and and uh, uh, move forward. So uh, Brad enjoyed it as usual and look forward to the uh, launching a new topic uh, here in our next podcast. I'm excited about that. So looking forward to that. See you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to a Wiser Retirement Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. That way you don't miss any new episodes. We would also appreciate if you could leave a rating and review. If you have any questions about anything that was discussed today, head to wiserinvestor.com and reach out. We would love to hear from you. This episode was produced and edited by Lilton Moore. This podcast is strictly for informational purposes only and is not to be considered as investment advice or solicitation to buy or sell any financial products, securities, digital assets, or any other investment vehicles or a basis to make any financial decisions. Wiser Wealth Management Incorporated is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. The host and or guest may personally own securities, digital assets, or other investment vehicles mentioned on this podcast. Neither the host nor guest of the show are compensated for their participation and no referral fees are paid to or received by any host or guest for clients, listeners, or similar interests. Investments involve risk, and unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor, tax professional, insurance professional, and or legal professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.